top world. It's your past first point guard and trail Blazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Free on all platforms, five days a week. Tell your friends to listen to it too. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Well, the Blazers just played their two most important games of the season, and they lost them both. How about it? We got here a season where they haven't been good in months, and they just proved it yet again here as we head down the home stretch. A loss on Tuesday night to Golden State. A, hey, you know what? Still got a chance to keep yourself in that play-in picture if you, I mean, they're still in the play-in picture. I know how math works, but still keep yourself, you know, heading in the right direction. Momentum, if you believe in it, after heading out on a road trip, just to beat a team that's really been scuffling on your home floor after a stinker, if, if nothing else, without any playoff implications. Nah, they lost this one too. The Blazers. Oh, should we do it? Let's do it. <sighs> The Blazers lose 121-110. They didn't score 115 points, so they did not have an opportunity to win this basketball game. We'll do our fastest recap in the West, run through what happened. There was a stretch, a five-minute stretch in the, uh, excuse me, a three-minute stretch in the fourth quarter when the game, when they lost the game. And they lost it for a variety of um, big and small reasons. We will go through all of those, or at least cover them. Uh, it won't be that excruciating, I promise. You maybe learn a little X's and O's in the second segment. And then, Let's close the show talking about what's next. I think the Blazers have given you everything you need to know about what's now. Let's talk about what's next. The the mid the middle horizon is how how far we'll look for right now. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let's do what we do, baby. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 121-110. They led in, at the end of the first quarter, 31-29. It's a pretty entertaining game, quite frankly. Matisse Thibel had an awesome first shift. Awesome first shift. First quarter, seven points, two blocks. Block CJ McCollum from behind. Block Brandon Ingram. Had a steal in there. Um, he was got to the rim, made his three-pointers. Um, he, he, was, he was really good to begin the game, and the Blazers were in it because of it. They led at halftime. It was an entertaining game. 56-53, Blazers go into the locker room. Damian Lord's got 18. Brandon Ingram's got 20. The two best players on the court going at it. Um, this is shaping up. You know, these are teams that are probably pretty evenly matched on paper with their current, with their, considering their current constructions. And it's like, all right, let's let's see let's see how it goes. Uh, oh, sorry. Before we get into that, surprise starting lineup in this game, Damian Lillard uh, was joined in the backcourt by Anthony Simons, who was listed as questionable earlier today from, from out on Tuesday to questionable. A questionable when you've been out for a long time is usually a pretty good indicator that you were going to try to play. Goes through a pregame workout, returns to play from a grade two ankle sprain two weeks, just two weeks, basically to the day after sustaining the injury. Um, according to Jeff Stotts of InStreetClothes.com, the average in his database, which goes back almost 25 years, is about three weeks for grade two sprains. This year it has been pretty consistently six weeks for grade two sprains. So to say that it was surprising for me to see Anthony Simons, Anthony Simons' name on the injury list was it would be an understatement. I was stunned, straight up stunned. Um, Good for him, right? Like, bodies are different. Uh, Justice Winslow is uh, going to miss two months with a, with a grade two ankle sprain. Anthony Simons returned after just two weeks. It's it's good to be 23 and not 25, I guess. 26, I guess, it's, uh, for Justice Winslow. 
But Anthony Thomas' night didn't last long. The Blazers took a 91-90 lead into the uh, into the fourth quarter, and Damian Lord had 15 in the third to keep them in it. Um, Jeremy Grant had nine in the third quarter, his own self, and had 21 points through three quarters. And the Blazers and Pelicans were going to decide this game in the fourth quarter, but the Blazers were going to do it without Anthony Simons, who re-aggravated that right ankle, getting tangled up. With um, in a try to score inside, rolled his ankle with a, under two minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, you know, stayed down, asked out of the game. You know, briefly sat down on the bench, and then walked back to the locker room with Blazers trainer Jeff Clark. Wasn't one of those situations where he's not putting weight on it. Like he even jogs back to the locker room. But it's like if you sit on the bench and say, "Okay, well, let's actually go talk about it in the back." It's never a good sign. He was ruled out and did not return. He tells Jason Quick of the Athletic as I'm recording this, I'm I'm going to look over my second screen. He he uh he tells Jason Quick of the Athletic that he's un, he feels like it'd be pretty unlikely that he will play uh Friday against the Atlanta Hawks. So bummer. Bummer, Ant came back and then uh, left again. I am not a doctor. I'm not going to speculate about what returning means and blah blah blah, blah ankle strength like to me it was surprising that he played, and it stinks that he's gone. That's what. That's where I'll leave it again. Blazers up one, heading into the fourth quarter. This game is going to be decided at crunch time, and the Blazers wilted. They lose the fourth quarter 31-29. The Pelicans shoot 59% from the floor and do not commit a turnover. The Blazers shoot just 39% from the floor, commit four turnovers, and that is your ball game. Pelicans roll in the fourth and win 121-110. This game not particularly competitive in the final four minutes it was just uh the new orleans seized control and didn't give it back we'll talk about that in the second segment from the box score damian lord 41 points just two of nine from three and for the fifth time in his nba career did not have an assist in this game uh to me a, a telling moment jeremy grant had 28 um the Blazers needed Grant to be really good in the final five minutes, and he was, um, you know, he, he got a bucket really late in the game. But the, the, he, they basically need him to make a couple shots in a moment that, in a stretch that changed the game. He didn't. Um, I don't think Jeremy Grant played poorly. I just think this was a night where they needed him to be. They needed him to be special in a couple moments that he wasn't, um, and and it, it happens. Like I'm, dude had, dude had twenty eight and f- twenty eight four and three. He did not play poorly. He just had some. He just didn't take advantage of every opportunity. Thirteen off the bench for Cam Reddish, who went back to the bench with uh, Simons in the starting line. Matisse Thybul started, finished with twelve points, eight boards, four assists, and blocked four shots. Uh, Trent Watford, I thought it was. Good at what he does in this game and bad at what he's bad at in this game. Finished with eight points, five boards, six assists, two steals. Uh, also turned the ball over three times. On the other side, Blazers had no answer for Brandon Ingram. Not a single one. He finished with 40 points, six boards, five dimes, 18 of 29 from the floor. Made just one three-pointer. Didn't matter. He killed the Blazers in the mid-range. CJ McCollum in his first game ever against Damian Lillard finished with 24 points, seven boards, and seven dimes on nine of 19 shooting. Um, B.I. and C.J. brought them home. Uh, Blazers tried a lot of things on Brandon Ingram. Tried to play zone against him. I thought he, once they figured out the zone, like early in the second half, it was over. It was like, okay, uh, they, they're going to pick this apart. And Pelicans had really struggled from the outside and didn't shoot great, but shot better late than they did early. And timing matters. Uh, but Ingram, like, he he's a great bad shot maker. He's big. The Blazers don't have size to deal with him. Uh, Jeremy Grant's like your best option. He wasn't he he, he couldn't stop him because 
Ingram's just really good, and Portland doesn't have size around the rim to deter his drives. It's just a, another night where the, where a team got into the paint and did what they wanted. Uh, Pelican scored 58 points in the paint uh, compared to just 46 for the Blazers. It was, you know, they... they they do what they do, and and Ingram is a mid range guy, so he he could have he didn't even do all he's you know slithered into the lane for some layups. He's got great body control for his size. He's a good really good passer for his size. He wasn't always in his career a good passer. He's he's developed into a really solid passer for his size. Blazers had Blazers had no answer for him. But even that to me, this game even with like the no answer for Bi, the, the Blazers are good enough on offense usually typically that they could have been in this game. Um, you know, a game that was just like, hey, you need to outscore a team for the final 12 minutes. They're capable of doing that. There was a three-minute stretch from the eight-and-a-half-minute mark to the 5.15 mark of the of the fourth quarter that decided this game. And uh, I, I want to lean into to discussing that because I think it is telling about both the Blazers as currently constructed with their injuries and what they got to be in the future. Um, we will we will discuss that in the second segment. But before we do that, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by none other than FanDuel. It's a wonderful time, truly wonderful time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You know why? Because it is the number one sportsbook in America. And because customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the, the FanBook, FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a larger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss that chance. Go get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right. Let's talk about the stretch that, that decided this game. 8.35 left. Pelicans are up 98-97. It's a one-point game, final eight minutes. I'm a, I, I enjoyed this basketball game. I thought, I thought Damian Lord was just... Um, I thought he was just so stinking good. He had 33 through three quarters. Brandon Ingram was, was great. Damian Lillard was great. He was two really, really, really good players playing high-level basketball. It's a one-point game with eight minutes. Over the next three minutes, the Blazers just wilted on offense, and it led to some easy points the other way. They weren't really stopping the Pelicans in the second half, so it didn't matter. Like, they were going to win this game on offense. A lot of times, I, I think, like, basically for the rest of the season— I'm not really going to talk about the Blazers defense too much. They're bad at it. So like we're like to, to sort of really, you know, what went wrong is going to be like this team's going to win by scoring. Why were they unable to score? Well, the Pelicans, they also know about Damian Lillard. He he shows up on the scouting report. They they seen him score 71. <laughs> they too have access to league pass and uh and and uh, you know, regional sports networks while they're still alive. Uh, so, so they were like, okay, we're going to sell out. We, we watched, um, you know, the, the Warriors guard Dame in pretty aggressive ways yesterday, some box and one stuff and some just like really aggressive zone stuff, but we're going to send two to the ball. And one of the ways the Pelicans decided to do that was to get Billy Hernan Gomez the heck up out of there. Dame was hunting boy, Billy. That's Bo Cruz's older brother hunting him in the pick and roll, and uh, the Pelicans just said, cool, let's have Najee Marshall come in, 
he'll be the guy who you know we're going to go smaller the pelicans are long so they don't they're not they're small isn't as small as the blazers but it's like we're not going to play with a traditional center because there's no Jonas Valanciunas in this game we're not going to let dame hunt a slow-footed traditional big we're going to play we're going to play with our length play with a bunch of wings and we're going to trap dame and make make it be someone else so that's what they did up one eight and a half minutes left they send two to the ball uh, the Blazers were doing the thing you're supposed to do when a team is hard doubling your best player. Accept the double team. Accept the double team. That is that is good. That is good basketball, right? You say, okay, you're coming for me. Come on, get the ball out of your hands and play uh, four on three behind the ball. The problem was they were they didn't they were trying to balance size versus playmaking. So the, so early in the stretch. Um, Early in the stretch, they they have Trenton Watford in there, but they can't they can't stop him. And they 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 uh, Dame gets double teamed, gets the they get the ball out. Uh, the Blazers are kind of unbalanced, but they get balanced behind the double team, and it, it swings to Grant, and he has to take off the dribble, step back three, and misses it. It's a tough shot, it's a tough shot. But it was sort of just bad bad organization. They got to be more organized. Next uh, n- next trip down the floor, Dame gets inside, determines, scores, takes contact, wanted a foul, but but it um. It, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't set a screen. He didn't get the double team. He just went. He just went. But the Blazers are getting killed on the other end. They're they're unable to score. So Chauncey Billups takes a timeout. Puts in Drew Eubanks. Said this is our center. This is our size. This is what we have. Let's get Drew in there. And it, it, Drew's been Drew's, Drew gives you uh, a lot of effort in his minutes um, with his limitations. But he gives you a lot of effort. But. You put another non-shooter in there. Drew's not a good playmaker either. He has very limited shooting range. Like he's really good at inside four feet, but he's there's a lot of other floor out there, and he's not a very good playmaker. So he's not a great pick and roll partner with Dame when they're doubling because he's they're not going to come to him in like the uh, you know in that twenty foot range to to be worried about him. And also he doesn't have the handle or the playmaking skills to really take advantage. So now with Drew in the game, the Blazers say okay. Matisse Thibel, you go set the screen because we want Jeremy Grant opposite the ball in order to um, in in order to to take advantage of the double team. They go have Dane, they go have Matisse set a screen. It's really it's really a bumpy possession. Um, Matisse is kind of just like I'm going to bring my man to the ball and then and then drop into the pocket, pass me the ball, and I'll make I'll make some decisions. Like that was clearly clearly the idea from the coaching staff, clearly the, the execution from the for, that they wanted. That's like. You know, you're picking your spots. Damon, Damon Chauncey both agreeing on that. That's what they're hunting, right? Accept the double team, get the ball out. But Matisse, you know, he's um he wasn't he's just not that isn't his as a short role play decision maker, that's not his best skill. He's not super comfortable there. It looks like it. Ball comes out slow, swings around, they're not guarding Drew Eubanks. Again, finds its way to uh Jeremy Grant and he misses um a a, a better look at a three, but he misses it. Like um it was he could have made it <laughs> like, like, but it's, he, he doesn't score. They go the other way. Now, Damon Lord has seen on th- three consecutive possessions. Uh, he's seen a double team, you know, twice he got rid of it. Once he just kind of, uh, rejected the screen and went away from the, went away before the, the double team truly got there from him. And, and so the next two trips down the floor, he doesn't call for a screen. He calls his own number and he goes first time too quick. Just, d- just dives into the paint, trying to beat the defense early misses, get once a foul call, doesn't get it. Second time again, no screen, no double team. We aren't getting the shots we want. I'm just going to take it myself. Dame kind of just says, it's going to be me. Again, he misses. When he when you miss a layup on one end, it, that is the shot that leads to fast breaks because you're unbalanced. Dude misses a layup. He's 
you know, he's typically behind the basket, unbalanced in transition defense. Uh, rebound comes out, hit ahead to Najee Marshall. He makes an uncontested fast break layup and the Pelicans lead 110-99. That was from the 835 mark to the 513 mark. Three minutes and 22 seconds. That decided the game because of the way the... Um, the way the Pelicans are guarding the the way the Pelicans are hurting the Blazers inside, they want to go back to Eubanks. And then the way the the Pelicans are guarding the pick and roll, Eubanks clearly is not the answer. So the Blazers call a timeout. They get Trent and Watford back in the game, but by by now they're down eleven with five minutes left, and they, they're like in they're playing in desperation mode, and they haven't and they're just and their offense is totally out of sorts. And they still the Pelicans are still doubling Dame, still making it tough. In fact, right out of the timeout, they have trended in there another passer and another um, sort of another. Table setter is probably the, the, the sort of parlance in NBA terms these days, but like another guy who can kind of set stuff up. So they run Dame off the ball. It's still kind of a wonky possession, but Trenton Wofford makes a nice pass because he's a good passer, gets the ball in there, Dame hits a layup and gets fouled. Like, clearly they didn't want to run a pick and roll. They didn't want Dame just to head down, get into the paint. They wanted to get that off ball stuff, but the Blazers are pretty slow in getting Dame off ball actions against teams that aren't the Rockets where he can just run free without physicality. Teams that are physical against Dame off the ball, it's it is hard because he's not that isn't like he's not Steph Curry. He's not a he's he's a pick and roll guy. Like he's and he's one of the truly best pick and roll operators there's ever been. He's just not going to be that. So force feeding that is not a way the Blazers are going to score in high leverage moments. It's like a nice little change of pace, but it's not a go-to move. Um, and that stretch where they double team him expose kind of what the Blazers are right now. No Anthony Simons in this game. They needed Jeremy Grant to be like pretty much perfect if they were going to win. They needed him to make both his three-pointers during that stretch. He didn't. I don't really knock Jeremy for the way he played in this game, but he is... You can't put Jeremy in the pick and roll in those situations because he's not a passer. He's just like not a playmaker whatsoever. And he's your scorer on the opposite side that that keeps defenses on us. Like he needs to be on the weak side opposite those Dame pick and rolls to make it hard, like to make the de- defense have to make a decision. Do we help off Jeremy? Or do we don't? If you put Matisse Thibel or Cam Reddish in those corners or whatever it might be, like the decision's easy. We're not guarding those dudes. They can shoot it and we'll just, we'll just live with it. Like those are below average three point shooters who we're really not super, super worried about. They can go for it. Like, and Jeremy is just like, not a, a, like a, he doesn't set solid screens. Like he's, he's a, he's a dude who can score. He's a good catch and shoot shooter. He's a good straight line drive finisher. He can get himself to the foul line. I thought he did a good job of that in this game. Um, but they need him to make a couple shots, and I think what this game exposed is kind of just the Blazers' lack of options. Right now, and particularly with Anthony Simons in and then back out in crunch time, it's Dame or, or Dame or a prayer. And, um, you know, sometimes you get nice moments from other guys, but it's Dame or a prayer right now, and the prayers were not answered. And on the other end, when the defense still the whole, the whole time during the offense struggling, the defense still stinks because it's stunk all year. So it's not like they're getting stops and getting themselves chances. The Pelicans zero turnover shot 60% in the fourth quarter, excuse me, 59% in the fourth quarter. So like you're giving up a bucket on most trips and you're not getting easy buckets in transition. So you're really just going to have to play against a set defense. And this set defense said anybody but Dame and the Blazers couldn't couldn't anybody but Dame didn't work and then Dame got frustrated and took a couple shots um but shots maybe ill-advised drives I think that is mostly a product of skill sets that are available on the roster and I think it's 
obviously some blame is on the coaching staff. Just like got to get guys organized. You got to know how they're going to, you're going to be guarded and like kind of get in what you want to get into. But you can put like, you can say, Matisse, you're a best uh, playmaker. Let's put you in the pick and roll and, and see how it works. Like you can put guys in the right spots. Um, this is like my players play mantra is like, I think the Blazers were poorly organized early during that shift. And then when they got a little bit organized, then their skill was exposed. That's why it's both coaching and playmaking. You don't have to choose who to blame. You can blame everybody, y'all. Okay, let's close the show. Um, These were the Blazers' two most important games of the season. They lost them both. They are who they are. They're not a good basketball team. I think that's the plan. Let's talk about the plan and the future in the third segment. Join me there, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. You lose these two games to drop to 29 and 33 before heading out on a six-game road trip. You kind of just got to admit who you are. It's a bad basketball team. Sorry. They're three. They, they're three and seven in the last ten games. Have lost two in a row. Um, they come out of the break and lost three of four. Their one win is against the Houston Rockets when Damian Lord scored seventy-one, and he probably didn't need seventy-one for them to win, but he needed sixty-four in that game for them to win. Uh, so you know, like they are, who they are. They're just not a good basketball team. But that's the plan. The thing about the sort of current NBA discourse, oof, is that a, is that a phrase I really want to say on this podcast? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it in because I edit these myself, but okay. <laughs> Let me try that one again. One of the ways that people talk about the NBA is either teams are going for it or they're tanking. And the Blazers are in this middle space. They're in this middle space where they're not... Um, they're not capital T tanking. They're not losing games on purpose and holding guys out. Like you bring Amphrey Simons back after two weeks and try to win this game. You're, you're a competitive basketball team trying to go for it, right? Like, like for sure the merits of going for it, whatever. But like, this is the, the, what they say is, you know, and how the players are approaching it is they're trying to win. How Chauncey Billups is approaching it. He's trying to win. Cause like you can get fired if you lose a bunch of games. Um, that's not going to happen to Chauncey Billups. That's not what I'm implying, but like, yeah, you know, wins and losses matter. Co- players don't tank, but what the Blazers are doing. And, and so what I mentioned in, in a, a podcast earlier this month is like the trade deadline suggests that they, do, they were comfortable missing the playoffs and the whole roster just suggests they're comfortable missing the playoffs having so little size that you get killed on the glass and you can't defend the paint against anybody all year long, which was a known problem when you created the roster and you don't address it at any point first, because you want to avoid the tax, the, uh, luxury tax. And now because like, you just don't want that. You just don't want to add that to the roster. Cause it'd be, um, it's just nicer. It'd be better if we lost and the best way to um, prevent winning is put a, not have good options out there. Like, when you do that all year long, when you do it at the beginning of the year, it's like defensible. When you do it post deadline, it's like, yeah, this team doesn't want to win. Like the fact that Chauncey Billups is choosing between, okay, we need a playmaker desperately on these pick and rolls. Let's have it be Trent Watford. But Watford is just, he's like, he's a four five. Like he's a big, he's a big, like he absolutely, I think he's a five personally, but like 
he doesn't really rebound and he can't defend. Like he can't protect the rim. He's a weird player. He's like an offense first five. Drew Eubanks has so limited on offense. He plays really hard, but so limited on offense. And even he's not a particularly good rim rim protector. Like he he um, he has some fun blocks and he plays hard, but it's not like he's this. He's not like Rudy Gobert or whatever. Like he's just he's not. He, it's so. The problem is like to some extent, it's like th- those are Chauncey Billups' only choices. Like that's who it is. So you just you don't have sides. You're choosing between two bad options. Um, the Blazers just like a lack of playmaking. You know, maybe you think like Ryan Archidiakono gets in there and plays some minutes, but it's not playmaking with like it's like it's just a team that desperately misses what Justice Winslow brings. A chance to play small. I've said this on yesterday's show. I'll say it again. He allows him to play small because he's strong and can guard up a couple positions. Uh, he can like he can even guard some centers on some nights. He guarded freaking Demontis Sabonis earlier this year, um, and he's a playmaker. He can pass and he can dribble a little bit. They desperately miss that skill set. Not addressing those skill sets, like not addressing your weaknesses, some rebounding, just some size on in general that could add some rebounding and some rim protection and some playmaking. Not addressing those. Uh, needs when you're at the trade deadline you can't address all of them but not addressing them at all not like taking flyer uh, taking a flyer on cam reddish um like it's a team that that is prioritizing something down the line as opposed to the immediate future right like this is what the front office planned this is not what damian lord wanted this is not i'm sure it's not what chauncey billups necessarily wanted but like the Blazers aren't tanking they're just not interested in winning or making the playoffs and the way you do that is you put out a flawed roster to some extent, Chauncey Billups giving Cam Reddish a whole bunch of minutes when Nazir Little is clearly a better option stri- strikes me. It has the it, it certainly smells like a team prioritizing minutes for someone entering restricted free agency. Let's see what we got and find out what if he's going to be part of the plan versus someone who's under a multi-year contract and you know he's going to be part of the plan. And he's know he's under you know he's going to be on, under team control and all that. Like they're prioritizing the future over the present. Players don't tank. This isn't capital T tanking. This is just like good old fashioned intentional organization, me, organizational mediocrity. And guess what? It probably is the right plan. Like I've said on the podcast a bunch that missing the playoffs probably is the right plan. This is probably a good call from, from Joe Crone. And this is probably the responsible way to treat this particular season. Um, sure. But it doesn't feel good as a fan. Like tanking doesn't like there is like a sort of some righteous, righteous losers out there who are like getting draft picks is wonderful. This is the way to go. But like watching Damian Lord be as good as he is at 32 years old and saying like, well, I'm going to I'm going to start watching college basketball here over the next couple weeks to get prepared for the draft does not feel good to me, the person who hosts this podcast. But I'm not going to end on bummers because I hate I hate to end the show on bummers. It's just not something I'm going to do. Um, I'm a natural I'm a I'm a true cynic, but I'm a pro joy cynic. So the way I'm watching the Blazers from here on out, they they're bad. <laughs> they're in twelfth place. They you know they're a game out of thirteenth behind the Thunder. Um, they're they're a team probably that the front office probably does not want to make the play in. Period. Period. Does not want to make the play in. Period. And they're a team that's flawed enough that it'll just naturally happen. Mission freaking accomplished. So instead of watching these next games and obsessing over wins and losses, particularly losses, like I'm not going to be like they have to lose because um, I find that a little bit exhausting. I'm going to watch for the future. Matisse Thibel in this game proved to me that he definitely can be at least some part of the future. I think he'd be better if he was a bench piece, but 
his defense is real deal Holyfield. Like he's he's as real as penitentiary steel on defense. Like he can really, really defend. He's disruptive. And he continues to shoot the ball incredibly well this year. Made two more threes out of four shot attempts. Now 14 of 26 for three in a Blazers uniform. Um, this was the knock on him is that he was like a slightly below average three-point shooter, but he was so wor- he was like just so unwilling to shoot it. The Blazers have given him the green light. The green light has empowered him to make shots. There's some sort of small sample size magic here, obviously, but to me, Matisse Thibel, part of the future. To me, Trenton Watford is just a good basketball player. He, f- he is really flawed, and his flaws show up sometimes, but I think to me, what I watch with Trenton Watford is say, who would he play well with? Who would he play well with? A shooting big man. You had a, a big who's um, you know who could rebound a little bit and and block some shots. Take take nineteen to twenty two footers. No one takes nineteen footers in the league anymore. Take three pointers because that's what anyone who can shoot takes in the league now. Like and 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 guard five. So Trendon doesn't have to be the rim protector on that. And it doesn't have to be like the primary help defender on that. And Trenton Watford's skills as a passer, as a transition player, as a uh, attack, the big mismatch, bad, tough, right-handed layup maker, those can work. Like Trenton Watford can be a bench part, but you got to compliment what he does. Cause he's a, he's a weird player. I'm going to be watching the heck out of Shaden Sharp. His He's just so darn fun. I can't take my eyes off him when he plays. He had a block tonight where he jumped, and his hands were like his palm was above the square. Um, he just, when he leaps, it's worth watching because something fun is going to happen. He also had an alley-oop where Trenton Watford found him. Those two have a great connection in that short roll, him, him in the corner. You know, Watford catches it in this in in that roll pocket and and uh, Shaden Sharp says I'm coming to the rim dog throw it up there for me and um and here's what I'm going to try to do those are uh, Matisse Trina Watford Shaden Sharp I'm going to hold on to my joy I'm going to watch the heck out of Damian Lord and appreciate him because he's so so special but here's my task I'm assigning myself some homework here at the end of the podcast I'm going to find other things to be intrigued by other things to be excited about other things to appreciate about this Blazers team because the on-court product is probably intentionally so mediocre and ill-fitting such that they want to lose these games and they are doing it and it might even be the most responsible way to do it but I find it a little bit tough to stomach so I am hunting for joy Matisse Thibel, Trenton Watford, Shaden Sharp, Damian Lode, and something else and my notes I have it marked down as question mark question mark question mark uh, we will find that come on the journey with me uh, a programming note this is you are listening to Thursday March 2nd show Friday show which is going to come out on March 3rd it might be a little bit late usually this is audio feed goes up at 11 p.m. the night before you might not have known that but that's about when I usually publish it about 11 p.m. the night before and the uh, YouTube feed goes 8 a.m. day of the show um, both of those are going to be delayed because of uh, an interview I'm trying to snag it might not be <laughs> if, if it's in your feed earlier it's because it's just going to be me on the solo show but uh we will see so if, if friday's show doesn't show up right in your feed right away don't worry because it's coming i'm working on it um it's what we do five days a week available wherever you get podcasts tell your friends about the show come back and join us for more i appreciate you listening I'll talk to you soon You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.